You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Be'ezras Hashem, tonight we're going to be continuing with our series of Shirim on Rabbi Nachman and the possibility of joy. And like we spoke about last week, the Ikernekuda in Rabbi Nachman's derech is to teach us how to find simcha, is to give us the koach in this world, specifically within the concealment and within the darkness of this world, to be able to uncover the possibility of joy to find presence in the moment that we're in, to utilize mindfulness and yishuv hadas, to be able to stop running and to stop chasing and to stop being afraid and to sit with eyes closed or eyes open and to feel in that moment that everything is here. Im anikan hakolkan. Everything is present at this moment. I lack nothing. There's no chisaron bechlal, like the Maharal tells us, that the best way to understand simcha is the musag of shleimus. Rabbi Nachman teaches us how to find Shlemus. Uh, but we also pointed out that this world is very often the opposite of Shlemus. And as Chazal have taught us, Ezehu Ashir Hasameach Bechelko, who is one who has uncovered Osher in their lives, who is one who has been Zeche to the Ashirus of Atika Stima'a, like Rabbi Nachman points out in Torah Samech and Lukutimaharan, that wealth of consciousness that allows one to be Mitbonein to contemplate the depths of the secrets of Torah, who is one who has that oisher? Hasameach bechelko, somebody who finds joy in their part. So we have a stira mineyube. On the one hand, we have the definition of simcha as shleimus, as a sense of wholeness. On the other hand, we have a sense of simcha as simcha chelkis, a simcha that is always only partial, a part implying the fact that it is broken away from a whole. So we have a contradiction of terms between the wholeness and the sense of lack associated with simcha. And what we're going to show is that for Rabbi Nachman, the pathway to Simcha is to find Shleimus within the Chelek itself, to recognize that, yes, this is a world that is built Shalim, this is a place that is difficult very often. This is a place that is Malay Yisurin, as Rabbi Nachman points out in so many different places. But in the end of the day, it is specifically within this place that is Malay Yisurin that we have the ability to be Samech Bechelko, to draw down the light of Yishav Hadas into our hearts, into our lave, and Nasasi Simcha Belibi, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu places Simcha within our hearts. So the shir this week was really supposed to be a shir on Targum, a shir on translation. But as I said earlier today, that we were calling an audible, and instead of speaking about translation, as it applies to the Torah of Rabbi Nachman, that we were going to talk about the power of saying yes to the world as a prerequisite for Simcha. But the two are not truly separate ideas, but rather they're part and parcel of the same mahalach. So to start off, we'll open up a little bit with the concept of translation, of targum, as it applies to the possibility of joy in one's life. 
And then through that lens of Targum, through that translational lens, where each and every person sees through their own subjective heart, will come to a place of understanding the very bedrock of Simcha in the writings of Rabbi Nachman and in Primus HaTorah, which is a sense of recognizing the good of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in its unconditional manner. Now in Torah Yotas, in the 19th teaching in the first volume of Lakuta Maran, Rabbi Nachman has an incredible, incredible statement. And it's about the power of Lashon HaKodesh in relationship to the power of Targum, the power of an essential language in relationship to a language of the backside, a language that is considered achorayim, something that is secondary, something that has already fallen away from the pristine nature of the original language, which leaves us caught up in this dark, slumber-like state of confusion and bilbul. These two dargos of panim and achor, a face-to-face experience and a back-to-back experience, are representative of the original language of Lashon HaKodesh, and the secondary language of Targum or translation. Rabbi Nachman teaches us, based on the teachings of the Arizal, based on the teachings as they are brought down by Rav Chaim Vital, whose yard said it was today, that when things descend from above to below, when the original source of something is clear as day in our minds, and we can trace each part back to its original whole, and we can see how things descend from above to below in a way of clarity, that's a dark of Lashon HaKodesh. That's a place where everything is clarified, everything is rarefied, and everything is universal. Everything means the same thing for each and every person. Everybody hears the same word and everybody understands it in their own intellectual way. The words mean something specific. But what happens when a person falls away from Panim? What happens when a person falls away from Lashon HaKodesh? They fall into the slumber-like stage of Targum. They fall into that unconscious place of translation. And the Arizal already points out by the Terdema, that deep unconscious slumber that Adam Harishon was cast into for the sake of drawing out Chava, and the same slumber that Avram Avinu was cast into at the Brisbane Habasarim when he encountered the fact that the light of the face that would encounter the Jewish people throughout history wasn't always going to be apparent, and there was going to be times of Choshech and darkness and exile. And both Adam and Avram fall into a terdema, a deep slumber, a slumber where things are frightening, where things are no longer clear. And in this slumber, we can no longer access Lashon HaKodesh. We can't see things face to face, but rather we're forced to use deductive logic to, to work out of the fallen, broken parts of truth, to sift through the fragments of a previously shattered truth, and to try and piece back together a narrative that makes sense to us. And Tardema, the Arizal points out, is the same gematria as Targum. It's the same numerical value highlighting the same spiritual potency as translation, because the state of wakefulness corresponds to the state of Lashon HaKodesh, where things are clear as day to us, clear as day without room for interpretation. And Choshech and Tardema and unconsciousness and slumber is going to correspond to that place of Targum, to that place of translation, because in the loss of meaning, when the face is no longer present, what we're forced to do is to descend down into the shattered vestiges of that original language, back into the shattered vestiges of that clarity, and to sift through those broken stones and to uncover them to find the possibility of a second language, the possibility of translation, the possibility of building meaning for ourselves. 
And in this place of interpretation and targum where we rebuild things from the bottom up, things are no longer clear. Things are no longer specific in their objective meaning, but things have already been cut through with that deep anxiety producing and interpretive creative space of subjectivity. It's no longer the mind that is perceiving reality in an objective way, but now it's the heart that is perceiving reality in a subjective way. And this is our truth. Ever since Adam Arishon was cast into that Terdema, ever since Adam Arishon was put into a slumber, I heard from my Saba, and then somebody showed it to me in the writings of Rav Schwab as well, that the Torah tells us that Adam Arishon was put to sleep. But the Torah does not tell us that Adam Arishon was ever woken up. And there's room to say that we're still in the dream of Adam Harishon, that we're still stuck in that place of Targum, until Mashiach Tzidkenu comes and speaks in a Safa Brura, in a clarified language where we can be choser back, panim el panim, until then we're stuck in that place of deductive logic, working from the broken parts back up to that imagined whole that remains hidden away beyond the horizon of our minds. And it's our job here to utilize the subjective heart to take the broken sub symptom of what happens in this fall and to transform it into our weapon. Like we spoke about that lave basar, that heart of subjectivity. And so each and every person has their own way of understanding the Torah. Each and every person has their own way of coming close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And each and every person has their own way of understanding Simcha, of understanding the teachings of Rabbi Nachman, of understanding the teachings of all of our tzaddikim. Rabbi Nachman writes in the first teaching in Tzicho Saran that I know, says David HaMelech, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is great. I know how tremendously large HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, how unfathomably infinite God is. And Rabbi Nachman says, when it says the I, implying a certain subjective grasp that is individualized, one's own interpretation, Rabbi Nachman says that is specific because each and every person has their own hasaga of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Each and every person grasps the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in their own mind, in their own hearts, in their own lives, in their own homes, in their own narrative. And not only can I not explain it to another person, says Rabbi Nachman, I can't even explain it to myself. Because what I grasp of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's greatness today is smallness compared to what I grasp of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's greatness tomorrow. So that it turns out, says Rabbi Nachman, that from one day to the next, what was Lashon HaKodesh for me yesterday is now just Targum. And I can't even remember myself what my encounter with HaKadosh Baruch Hu was. And Rabbi Nachman ends and he says that this is based on the Zohar HaKadosh, which says, based on the Pasuk in Mishlei that's brought down in the song, her husband shall be known in the gates because of the valor of this woman. That HaKadosh Baruch will be known according to the conjecture of each and every person's heart. That it is a God of our understanding. It is my God, my own understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and nobody else's. That gives me permission to feel these things in my own way. That is the power of translation when it comes to understanding HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Torah, and in particular the Torah of the Tzadikei HaDoros, Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the Ariza, the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, and Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Shemayar Morgenstern points out in his Shirim on the Secha Sanhedrin in Yam HaChachma Tafshin Ayin Tes, that when studying the Torah of Rabbi Nachman, 
there's a certain element in the Zohar HaKadosh that Rabbi Nachman brings down, which was referred to as Heichal HaGavanim HaMishtanim, the chamber of changing colors, different hues of spiritual experience, different hues of grasping the content of a text or the content of an idea or the context of an idea. And B'derech Klau, the shifting and the ever-changing colors created distortion of sorts because one color overrides the other and another color overrides the next one. And there's a battle and there's machlokas and there's kina, there's taiva and there's kavod, each color claiming that they have the rightful place at the top of the image. But by Rabbi Nachman's teachings, and it's not limited to Rabbi Nachman, but it's, in particularly, it's particularly explicit in the writings of Rabbi Nachman and the writings of Rabbi Nassan, that there are infinite ways of understanding them. And Ravitchemeyer points out that that means that there are infinite levels of truth that emerge out of these teachings. It's not that one person has it wrong and another person has it right, but rather the Torah of the truth tzaddikim is one that can be applied to each and every person according to their own individualized level. So when we talk about the translation of these teachings, we're not simply talking about bringing them down to our level, but we're in fact talking about the true and proper interpretation that we can have for ourselves, that we can find ourselves in these books, we can love these books, we can uncover life-giving medicine in these books. That the Svarim HaKadoshim that we live with, like Rabbi Nachman teaches us, that the neshama of the machaber, the neshama of the tzaddik, and the face of the tzaddik is contained within the writings itself. That when studying these writings, we're not simply studying a dead text, but we're studying a text where in the Mechaber themselves is buried within the text. As the Arizal writes in the Yiratzon before learning Kabbalah, it says that Yiratzon, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, should be your will that through studying these texts, that I should come to have a soul encounter with the Neshamos of those holy tzaddikim through whom you revealed these writings. As the Yerushalmi tells us that when I study a text properly, it should be ki'ilu bal hashmua omid kenegdo, as if I am encountering it in that moment, that moment of transmission from the Neshama of that tzaddik, from the Neshama of the Torah, like the, the Beis Yosef writes in Magid Meisharim about the famous Hofa'ah on Tikkun Leil Shavuos, that the Beis Yosef and the Shlach HaKadosh brings it down is sitting there and the mouth opens and it says, Ani Mishnah piv. I am the Mishnah speaking from within your mouth that a person becomes the receptacle through which the Torah is now being revealed in a new way and it's one's own most translation and one's truest form of interpretation possible. And that has to be a hakdama that we hold in mind whenever we study the words of the tzaddikim, that each person can find themselves in this text and it's not considered a rereading or apologetics, but rather it's one's own most truth. If that's how you learn the Torah, Rabbi Nachman says, and it's brought down on the Kutei Halachos in Hilchos Ribis, Halacha Hei Os Nun Beis, that the Nukuda of Emes and Amuna, of truth and faith, both of those are contingent, again, on this concept of kol chad v'chad delay. Each and every person has their own subjective grasp of truth, of emes, which means to say that emes is not a nakuda, but rather a shatach. It's an area, and each of us can find ourselves with our own translation from within our own darkness and concealment to come out and understand the words of this tzaddik, in particular, Rabbi Nachman, the Nachman Leveo Makor Chachma, to understand what these life-giving waters mean for us in particular. That's Aleph. And Bez is the second part of the year, which is going to be the possibility of saying yes to life. The ultimate question, or the ultimate ground, upon which the concepts of Simcha, 
and Rabbi Nachman's writings are going to come out, is that a person has to first and foremost set in their minds and set their intentions to the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is good and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always good. And even when it appears to be the opposite of good, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is still good. And that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the ultimate, pan-ultimate notion of goodness imaginable, the infinite level of goodness from what our minds, our limited minds are capable of understanding. Obviously, we're not talking about the essence of godliness, so to speak, something that is an impossibility, as we saw from all of the teachings and the shirim on the tzaddik of Yitzhak Mayer Morgenstern and all of the living and dead tzaddikim. But from our perspective, mitzidenu, all we know about HaKadosh Baruch Hu at the end of the day is ki that ultimately the truest desire of the creator of the world, the ultimate capital G good, the good beyond being, is to bestow goodness upon his creations, is to give over ahava and chesed, love and kindness to his creatures. And that no matter how tzabrachin and broken and chaotic this world seems, it is all for the sake of the revelation of ahava, of rachamim rabim, of deep compassion that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for his creations. Now, Rabbi Nachman is not interested in theodicy. Rabbi Nachman is not interested necessarily in trying to answer the question of why is there bad or why is there evil in a world that is based on the good? That's not the question. It's a given for Rabbi Nachman that this world appears profoundly ugly. Ad Kach that we know that Rabbi Nachman says in Tarot Kuf in Lukuta Maran that there are many people who claim that there is a world to come. And I agree with them. That's easy to believe in. He says, I have a harder time understanding what they mean when they say that there is an Olam Haza. Because I see no Olam Haza. I see no world. All I see is Gehenim. Because there is nobody who is not filled with suffering to the brim. There is nobody who is not filled with their Marashchaira and their difficulties and their desire for more. And their, their struggle with children, with Parnassa, with relationships, with finding purpose in the world, with the existential threat of, of anxiety and responsibility and the anxiety of freedom and death awareness. We're all cut through with all of that, Rabbi Nachman says. Even the Ashirim and even those who look like they have it all together. And he says, so this is Gehenna. This world is hell, and I don't believe that there's a world anywhere. So Rabbi Nachman was not claiming that this world appeared to be a garden. He was not claiming that because HaKadosh Baruch was ultimately good, then this world is going to be good. Rabbi Nachman understood that even though this world looks the way it looks, and even though a person falls to the place that they've fallen, and even though things are the way that they are, in that haunting language of Rabbi Nachman, things will be what they will be. Nevertheless, God is always good. HaKadosh Baruch is good. And the animating desire and drive behind every aspect of history down to the most particularized particular, to the most generalized generalization, is always mit'ala, is always moving forward. Now, it seems almost like a tautological statement, but Rabbi Nachman says it as clear as day. In Chaim Maharan, in Os Tafnun Beis, Amar, Hashem Yisbarach Tov Tamid. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always good. Gat is Tamid Gut. That Hashem is always good. There's a perpetual goodness. It's not a question of whether HaKadosh Baruch Hu is good. It's all good because it's It's the truest desire of the infinite good to bestow goodness and ahava and chesed on his creations and gamzu latova and everything that a person encounters in this world. Every moment of life can either be seen through a lens of goodness 
or through a lens of brokenness. And Rabbi Nachman is saying a person has to understand that the animating drive behind all of existence is the ultimate goodness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Rabbi Nachman says in the fourth teaching in the Kutamaran, that when a person understands that all of their encounters in this world, all of their experiences, everything that a person feels and touches and speaks about and encounters in their own most subjectivity through their own lens of translation, everything, they're for your good. How? We don't ask such questions because there's an infinite amount of questions we can ask. But this belief, this knowledge that everything is ultimately for the good, this is what it means to live with the future consciousness in the present. This is what it means, as Rabbi Nachman says, to live with that in the future, the Tamidei Chachamim will sit with their crowns in their heads. Why should it say that their crowns are in their heads? Shouldn't their crowns be on top of their heads? But Rabbi Nachman says that Olam Haba is found in the mind itself. That when a person is able to be miyashev themselves, when a person is able to align themselves in spite of appearances, to recognize that the desire of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is strictly the goodness of existence, so then a person can live a dargo of Olam Haba in this world. Now this was certainly not a chiddush of Rabbi Nachman. This is a tenant of our faith. As the Arizal points out in Shah Klolim, in Yitzchayim Kadisha, that the purpose of the creation of the world is that the ultimate desire of the good beyond being, capital G good, is to bestow Rachamim Rabim on his creations, is to allow human beings to become a Merkava, to serve as a resting place for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and all of the concealment and all of the constriction and all of the Marashchaira and the Yisurin and all of the difficulty and the Dinim and the Gvuros and the Midos and all of those things which apply measure to the infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the only purpose that they serve is to allow us to encounter a renewed good, a doubled good that emerges specifically out of darkness. Everything is there to allow for goodness to emerge. The Ramchal, Schusayagan is the one who took this reason for creation and made it an ikr, a yisod, because the Arizal gave other reasons for creation. There were a number of other reasons for creation giving, all of them, as the Leshan tells us, are oile bekena echad. They all unify together, obviously. There's no stira in Chachmas Kabbalah. But nevertheless, it was the Ramchal, that sadik, that sadik who is so deeply related to the neshama of Rabbi Akiva, buried next to Rabbi Akiva, living a life like Rabbi Akiva, a life of suffering like Rabbi Akiva, who understood that Gamzu Latova, everything is for the good. Every single thing is for the good. Ah, it looks terrible. It doesn't make a difference. It's just there to allow the revelation of good in the future to be even more profound. It's important to note, although we don't have much historical correspondence in the ideas of the Ramchal and Rabbi Nachman, the Masora is that when people would come to study by Rabbi Nachman to become Hasidim of Breslov, he would first and foremost tell them to study Masil Sisharim. Go and study Masil Sisharim, as Rabbi Yitzhak Benson points out, and then come and be closer to me. Come and be closer. And there's a Hiskashrus because, as we know, the yard site of the Ramchal is going to be on the Sira of Yusoid Shabi Yusoid, and Rabbi Nachman is Netzach Shabbat Netzach, and there's a Hiskashrus between these two Tzadikim. But it was the Ramchal who took this idea to teach us that that the ultimate purpose of all of creation is the ultimate good that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to bestow upon us. There's a beautiful Maisa brought down that the Kamar Rebbe, 
the Baal Hazor Hachai, the Baal Nesiv Mitzvah again, remarkably connected to the Nesham of Rabbi Nachman, as Rabbi Chimayar points out, that the year that Rabbi Nachman burnt his book, and Sefer HaNisraf, that burnt book, was given over to Rabbi Nassan, is also the year, 1806, that the Kamarna Rebbe was born. And so there's a deepest kashras between the Nesham of the Kamarna Rebbe and the Torah of Rabbi Nachman. The story goes that the Kamarna Rebbe's son, the Damasek Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer Safrin, Damasek Eliezer, the Baal HaOrhe Naim, Sadikim in their own right, Mekubalim Muflagim, that the Damasek Eliezer came to his father and said, Abba, I want to learn Kabbalah, I want to learn Panimis HaTorah with you. His father said, it's not time yet, you're not Ro'i yet. And he kept pestering him and he kept bugging him, Ke'ilu. And eventually the Kamarna Rebbe said to his son, okay, come to my office, come to my room at 12 o'clock tonight and we'll sit and learn together. And so the Damasek Eliezer comes over and he approaches the room quietly under the veil of darkness. And the Kamarna Rebbe is there sitting in his talus and Dvekas. And he opens up the Yitzchayim Kadisha. He opens up Sefer Yitzchayim and he turns it to Shara Klalim. And he reads the words, because the truest property of the ultimate good is to bestow goodness to his creations. That was the purpose of the creation of the world. And the Kamarna Rebbe repeated it over and over and over again. He closed the book and he said to his son, he says, this is the Iker Koitev HaKabbalah. This is the quintessence of Kabbalah. Everything else is just a perish. Everything else is just a commentary on this point. So what we have to hold on to very deeply at the beginning, at the outset, is that everything in this world is for the good of the individual. Everything is for the spiritual gains of the individual. Every opportunity presented in front of us is another opportunity for us to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu within the concealment, to dig deep into the crusted over scabs of this worldly experience and to uncover the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that's waiting there, beckoning us into that mania itself. As Ibn Ahmed teaches us more than anybody else, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not found in spite of the Maniya, not found after the Maniya, but the Maniya is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The preventions that we encounter in this world that block us from Simcha is HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. And so there's nothing that leaves the realm of HaKadosh Baruch Hu just trying to give us good. And that's the Bechira that we're trying to work on. And so we have to understand that before we can begin to understand what Simcha means, the unconditional ground of our experience has to be the unbreakable belief in the goodness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that this world is good and that ultimately we're saying yes to the world. Once that is said, once we understand, as Rabbi Nachman points out in the 64th teaching in the Kutamaran in Boel Paro, that the purpose of the creation of the world was for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be Megala his Rachmanus, that the only reason for Hashem to create the world was to be compassionate upon those who need compassion. And who like us needs compassion? Who like our generation, who like our people needs compassion? Broken and, and bent over and, and sabrachin and afraid with all of the difficulties that awaken each person in their own heart. We're in need of compassion. We're in need of racham and rabim. Now, Kaddish Baruch Hu says, oh, Givat, I'm going to create a world where I could bestow racham and rabim upon you. That's the purpose of the tzimtzum. The purpose of all concealment is so that a Kaddish Baruch Hu could offer us Rachamim. But once we have that in our awareness, so then Rabbi Nachman allows us to begin the game. Then Rabbi Nachman teaches us how to begin this encounter of trying to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world that appears to be the opposite of goodness, appears to be the opposite of joy. As Rabbi Nachman points out, 
joy and the possibility of simcha is not going to be based on a rational analysis of the world, but rather joy and simcha are only going to be found in the abandonment of the seichel. They're going to be found in tamimus. If you approach the world like a chacham, if you approach the world with eyes that seek to penetrate and, and descend into the specifics of everything, to understand everything rationally, then we will always be unhappy. But if you approach the world from the lens of tamimus, from the lens of amuna that ascends beyond any rational logic whatsoever, then we're able to see the bad in the world and say, this is also good. This is also beautiful. This is also exactly what I need right now. As Rabbeinu points out so beautifully clear and hauntingly in the Maiseh Mechacham Vatam, the tale of the Chacham, the wise man and the simpleton. And Tamimus for Rabbi Nachman, like we said last week, was not a Tamimus that was built into a non-awareness or an ignorance, but rather it was a Tamimus, a simplicity that remained at the apex of all knowledge. That when the Tam asked his wife for food, this impoverished, broken, almost pathetic individual, this shlamazel, this broken Jew, impoverished with torn clothes and torn shoes. And he said to his wife, bring me my steak. And she would bring him stale bread. And he would say, this is incredible. And he would say, bring me my wine. And she would bring him the stale old water. And he would say, this is amazing. And he would say, bring me my beautiful coat. And she would bring him his tattered rags. And he would say, this is perfect. And as I heard from a Talmud, a close Talmud of the Rebbe, a close Talmud of Ravichemeyer, he said that when this Tom, when this Tom said, this is amazing, he was mamish tasting steak. He was mamish tasting wine. He mamish felt that he was wearing the clothes that he needed to be wearing. Because that when a person knows with kmimas and pshitas that whatever is in front of me right now is good, even if it looks terrible, at that moment, a person can find the possibility of happiness. But it's dependent on an amuna. It's dependent on a super rational faith that sees beyond the broke down palaces of this world, that sees beyond the death bringing speech of this world, that sees beyond the cemetery of Uman, that sees beyond the, the death of so many countless individuals, that sees beyond all of the brokenness of this world. Rabbi Nachman screamed towards the end of his life that there will come a time there will come a time in the world where to have a munapshuta, it's going to be as big a chiddush as the Baal Shem Tov was. To have simple faith, a simple Jew having simple faith is going to be as big as a miracle as the avoda of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. And even though there's going to be a great apikorsis in the world, and even though there's going to be a time where it's going to be nearly impossible to grab hold of this simple faith, nevertheless, like we spoke about last week, Rabbeinu screams out, I'm warning you, I'm telling you that it's going to be like this, and it's still going to be hard. And even though I'm telling you this, as Rabbi Nachman points out in the 35th teaching in, in Sichos Aran, it will still be a tremendous nisayon. Nevertheless, I'm announcing it to you so that you can understand that there's medicine for you. You can understand that there's going to be a way out of it. That if you hold on to emuna, if you hold on to the super rational faith that believes in the ultimate goodness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in spite of all appearances, at that point, you'll be able to live a life of happiness. These are the words of Rabbi Nachman in Os Nun Gimel in Sichos Haran. Mishi yeshla amuna, somebody who has amuna, chayev chayim v'hu mevala yeme chayev betov tamid. 
When a person has amuna, their life is truly life, and they waste their days with goodness always. Then when a person has things going well the way that they want them to be going, then certainly it's going to be good. But even when things appear to be going the opposite way, and even when there are difficulties and suffering, it's also good because at that point, the person is certain that nevertheless, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to have compassion on me and allow me to find the goodness in this. Because since everything is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, everything is obviously for the good. But somebody who has no emuna, God forbid, their life is no life whatsoever. Because anytime a person encounters even the slightest difficulty, even the slightest pangs of hunger, even the slightest craving, a person is going to fall away from their vitality in their life because they have nothing to bring them nechama, they have nothing to bring them comfort. Again, Rabbi Nachman is the same lashon as nechama. Because a person doesn't have faith whatsoever. And a person who walks around in this world without a moon and a Kaddish Baruch Hu, they're going to live in a world of sadness because they're going to see the world as it is. They're going to see the broke down palace that we all walk around with, with the sullen faces and the bent down backs and the broken hearts and the lev ha'even that so many people walk around carrying. And it's because they don't have a muna in the good beyond being. They don't have a muna in that goodness that transcends all elements, that transcends all appearances that say otherwise. This is the Nekudah Sachidish. The Nekudah Sachidish of Rabbi Nachman is the demand, the unconditional demand to say yes to the world. Baruch She'amar Vahaya Ha'olam. Blessed is he who spoke and created the world that every morning we say it's an affirmation of creation, an affirmation that the world is good. The kavana for the words Baruch Sha'amar, that unconditional affirmation of existence, according to the Arizal, is to reach up into that place of Reisha Delois Yada, to reach up into that place of the unknowable head, because we don't know how it's good. We don't know how it could be that a Kaddish Baruch Hu created a world like this and that we can still claim that it's good. But nevertheless, in that unbreakable place of faith, in that faith beyond being, in that place of goodness beyond anything else, we have the belief in the good that can be found in every single moment, in every single day. Rabbi Nachman explains in Torah 84, in the first volume of Lakuta Maran, that there's no day without goodness. There's no day without its particular point of goodness that a person has to uncover in their lives. But the pathway towards that goodness, to that to that mindfulness that is as clear and white as, as kaspa, as kesef, a person has to go through the nechashim and the akvarim. A person has to fight through the snakes and the scorpions that seek to cool us off or warm us up too much and to block us out and to throw us away. But if a person is stubborn enough with Aziz to Kedusha to say, no, nevertheless, Afal Pikain, the world is good, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is good, everything is good, that is going to be the birthplace of Simcha. One of my favorite teachings and one of the most difficult teachings from Ibn Nachman reads as follows. Now, this is a teaching that's brought down by Rav Levi Yitzchak Bender, Schusio Ganalenu, in Siach Sarfei Kodesh, volume two. Rav Levi Yitzchak says as follows. That Rabbi Nachman said, there was once a time where, where Rabbi Nachman was talking about the concealed ways 
that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world. And trying to tell us that there's no rational logic with which to understand the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world in his greatness. And as a proof text for this, Rabbi Nachman says as follows. There was a tale that there was a very poor Jew who had a number of children. And he found work for three years running the Beis HaMerchatz of Aparitz, running one of the wash houses of the community leaders at that time. And he lived there as well. He dwelled there and he was able to get money from this. And this is, was how he made Parnassah for a number of years. And every three years when he would finish up this lease that he had on this home, the Paris, the community leader, would come along and say that it, it's good, you'll continue doing it, and you'll have more money. But then, one year, there was another Jew who came along and offered to pay a cheaper amount of money for this house. A cheaper amount of money for this house. And the Paris said to this Jew who was occupying it, unfortunately, I have to give this house to another person. And he kicked him out of the house. And it was in the midst of winter. And this person, this unfortunate Jew, wandered out with all of his children into the frozen tundra of that time. And this person, says Rabbi Nachman, this other person who rented out the house from the pirates, he had never had a child in his life. And that year that he took the home of this broken-down Jew, he was zocha to a ben zachar. He had a child. V'siyem Rabbeinu v'amar, Rabbi Nachman answered and he said, This is how Hashem runs his world. And from this we see, And from here we see that we have no capacity to understand the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A tragic tale. A broke-down Jew who finds some sustenance, some comfort for him and his innocent children from the cold of winter from the compassion of this community leader and comes along somebody and manipulates and takes us home from him and forces this Jew to wander out into the winter. Not only does the Jew lose his home, but the person who took the home merits a son. And Rabbi Nachman says, from here we learn the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Your judgments in this world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, are like a Tahom Rabbah. They're an ungraspable and unfathomable abyss. We can't understand, and all we have is amuna. And when we have that amuna, says Rabbi Nachman, even when we look at a world that appears to be unfair and unkind, nevertheless, we open ourselves up to the real place of simcha. To end, we'll look at a short maisa from Rav Usher Freund. Rav Usher Freund was a tzaddik who was very, very much makusher to the path of Rabbi Nachman. He was very close with Rav Avram ben Rav Nachman. He was close with, I'm sorry, with Rav Kenig. There was a deep relationship there. And in the 32nd story of his stories, Rav Usher Freund writes as follows. There was once a tale that there was somebody who was happy. And it was a wonderment, a novelty in the world. And it was also a perplexing question. How is it possible in truth for a person to be happy? Each person is created with their deficiencies and their lacks and their pain. 
as we all know throughout the world. And how is it possible in truth to be happy? The Amar, the Amar, and he said, Ani Sameach, I am happy. Why? That I transform somethingness into nothingness. That's how I'm happy. You want to know how I can find happiness? I look at the Yeshus in the world. I see the world as it is. I don't pretend that the world is something that it's not. I see, as Rabbi Nachman says, that it's Gehenim. I see the poor Jew who's kicked out of his home. I see how unfair things look. I see the kushios of the halal hapanui. I see all of the tzabrach and kait and the yisurin, says Rabbi Nachman. But nevertheless, we have the koyach to be mahapich yesh la'ayin. We have the ability to say that in spite of appearances, in spite of my natural inclinations, I believe that the infinite presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu saturates, subsumes, surrounds, and fills all things. And there is nothing devoid of him. And when a person is able to take that sense of self-sufficiency, of yeshus, of egoism, of I'm in charge and I understand things, and they can transform it into the nullification of the self to realize, I have no idea. I have no idea whatsoever. It's an unfathomable abyss. At that point, a person has the ability to be besimcha. And so all of the future shirim be'ezras Hashem and Rabbi Nachman's mahalich of simcha are going to be based on this unconditional proclamation that we will say yes to the world today. That Hayom in Tishma'u, that today I will say Baruch Sha'amar Ha'olam. I will say that blessed is he who spoke and created the world. In spite of appearances, in spite of the negation, in spite of the difficulty, when we reach into that unfathomable place where faith is rooted, we're able to say yes to the world, we're able to say yes to ourselves, we're able to say yes to Kadish Baruchu. And that is the key, that is the Mafteach to the promise of Simcha, to the promise of an irrational simcha, a simcha of mile deshtusa, of foolishness, as we're going to see Be'ezra Sashem next week. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.